We've made a leap in time from the manger to the banks of the Jordan River. This feast day coming so quickly on the heels of Christmas has always struck me as a strange jump from Jesus as an infant to Jesus as a young man, but I've come to appreciate it. Just this past Friday night, we celebrated Epiphany and heard how the three wise men from the East followed a star as it came to rest over a stable. And now that starlight descends like a bright dove and the Holy Spirit of God comes to rest on Jesus, God's beloved son on the banks of the river Jordan. Doubtlessly, the three kings were meant to follow that light and we are too. We're meant to follow Jesus to our own waters of baptism. Baptism is so important to our faith as Episcopalians, as Christians. Baptism is so important to what we call our life in Christ. Jesus did this thing and now we do it too, just like taking communion. And together those sacraments form the cornerstone of our faith. They walk hand in hand together so that we can grow in likeness of Christ. Baptism is so important that in all my life as a Christian, it never even occurred to me to ask an apparently obvious question. Why does Jesus need to get baptized at all? John the Baptist certainly had that question. Since Advent, we've heard about John, how he was in the wilderness preaching, calling us all to repent of our sins and prepare the way of the Lord. And the baptism he promised was a baptism of repentance, meant to wash away our sins and reveal a new life for us, a new way forward. Jesus doesn't need to repent of any sins, and Jesus doesn't need a new life. Jesus is our new life. So it's John who understands and believes in baptism better than anyone else who wants to stop Jesus in his tracks. Hasn't he got this backwards? Isn't it Jesus who has come to save John? Why should a master bow before his servant? But Jesus waves that protest away and reassures John, this baptism is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. In his gospel, Matthew often talks about righteousness. It's the word he used to describe Joseph, the father of Jesus, just a few short weeks ago, that Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace, righteousness really matters to Matthew. And his meaning when he uses that word is multi-layered. Matthew is talking about the law, the covenant, being someone who adheres to the promises God has made to his people Israel. As Christians, I believe we're often much too dismissive of the laws of Moses as if they flatten out the faith of our ancestors and flatten out our story rather than deepening it. For Matthew, when people are righteous, they strive to follow the law and the prophets, and in doing so, they live into the fullness of God's vision. They live into the fullness of God's dream for the world that he loves, the world that God has made. So for Christ, righteousness is a declaration of solidarity with us, that he's here to live an earthly life with us and strive with us. 
Obviously, Jesus was not in need of repentance, but in taking on our human likeness, in being Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is in solidarity with all human beings, which is to say that God was and is in solidarity with sinners, with people like us who never can be perfect. As we sang in one of my favorite Christmas hymns just a week or two ago, mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die. And as that hymn goes on, it can give us a deeper understanding of what all righteousness means, a deeper understanding of what God is doing with our lives, not just at Christmas or Epiphany, but always. Born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. When Jesus comes up out of the water, he has all of us in his arms. The fulfillment of all righteousness doesn't begin and end at the water's edge. It flows through the living waters of baptism that are poured out for all of us. At his baptism, Jesus takes his first step towards Calvary his first step towards his own death and resurrection. In baptism, Jesus takes his first step towards committing his life to ours. And when we are baptized, we do the same thing. We make commitments, or they're made for us by people who love us. Commitments to a new life as disciples of Jesus Christ. All righteousness is not just a commandment to Jesus, but to all of us to join him. John Wesley, the English theologian and evangelist who founded the Methodist Church, said this, as Christians, our main doctrines, which include all the rest, are three, that of repentance, of faith, and of holiness. The first of these we account, as it were, the porch of religion, the next, the front door, and the third is religion itself. So repentance is the porch, faith the doorway in, and holiness the work of religion itself, a lifelong commitment, a lifelong striving. God's love is always being offered to us, baptized or not. Baptism is a free gift. But at Christ's baptism, the heavens opened, not just for him, but for all of us. And so repentance, a baptism of repentance, is the porch, the welcome, the first step towards a relationship with God, towards recognizing that all is not well, all is not perfect, but that we know there can be more. And then entering through the door of faith takes us to the lifelong challenge of living into holiness. The very challenge, Wesley says, of religion itself. Repentance as the front porch. I love that. A baptism of repentance is the welcome into our Father's house of many rooms where Jesus has prepared a place for us. Matthew then says, that John consents. As as God declared the waters good at the beginning of creation, John cannot deny God's goodness, God's request 
to step into the waters, to be a master who comes to serve, not to be served. And so it is for all of us to understand our baptism, not just as a single event, a one-time ritual, but the beginning of a lifelong journey into the arms of a God who loves us. Repentance is the door we can enter over and over and over again, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. Repentance is the way for us to come in out of the cold. Amen.